Christ on all to Fearless in Devotion, sponsored by the Fat Ball Bar and Restaurant, which manages to be both classy and affordable. A pint there tonight will still only cost you £3.50. pence. Remarkable scenes. How much was a pint when you were at uni, Andy? Uh, probably about £1.90. Oh, wow. No, less than that, surely. It was, it was, it was one ninety when I was at uni. Um, well, in the student bar, it was maybe a bit cheaper, but it was Scotland, wasn't it? They're all a bit mean up there. Um, oh, I paid, do you know how much I paid for a pint last night? No. 7.20. We've broken the seven quid barrier, lads. There's no <sighs> going back. Where was it? Was it a, a swanky place in Canary Wharf? No, it was uh, Fitzrovia. I think it was uh, one of those darts bars. So we're wow. through the looking glass here, people. Yeah. Still, onwards to much happier thoughts. Uh, another good week for the town. Uh, three points, six goals. Uh, Tim, what was your assessment? Uh, give me your uh, your klaxon alert because I need a klaxon alert for what I'm about to say. That was like John Fashioning, wasn't it? Back on Gladiator. I will put an actual klaxon sound in there. I don't um, have a... Believe it or not, I don't have a full radio studio at my disposal here on my laptop. Just, just leave it in for, for sort of, uh, you know... Genuity no. purposes. Um, it was really good, and the reason for that klaxon is that I believe on one of those rare occasions that Wrexham is a whinge-free zone today and yesterday and last night. I mean, there wasn't a lot at all you could whinge or moan about, really. Um, really good, polished, majestic display. Yeah, and six separate scorers... Put the world to rights, didn't we? Just just showed what we really can can do. It was a, it was a top draw performance. Really good. Sends out a, a, another another little message through the rest of the division, especially to to Chesterfield, whose coattails were hanging on. But yeah, really really good. Spot on. Could have been more. Could have been a lot more. But yeah, really good. Great news. Handy finish from uh, Palmer, wasn't it, uh, Andy? Yeah, re- really good finish. That you can show he's not. He, he's really come on this season, and I didn't think that was possible. I thought, I thought his fitness levels are out of this world this season. Like he took his shirt off uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, wow, you know, for a big bleeding striker, you you you're all right, mate. Fair play. Um, it's a bit, a bit of you, is he, Andy? Hey, but well, you know, you wouldn't even have to ask. Um, so yeah, but I think his his general sort of all round play is holding up the ball. He just gets about. He's not a John Parkin who will just stand there in the middle of the pitch and you have to sort of hit his head. He will go chasing the ball. And I think that his sort of performance allows six set different people to score to score because he opens up everything for everyone. Uh, one little moan. I just hope Mendy's okay. Yes, hamstring, we believe. Is that what Parky said? Yeah, hamstring. Um, don't know more. Middle of next week once they've assessed it. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sort of I've been I've been sidetracked by Andy having dreams of baby oiling up Ollie Palmer's rippling muscles. It's fully understandable, I suppose. Yeah, and you've taken that on a little bit from what I actually said, but you know, wow. fair enough. Um, were you, so, were you up there yesterday? I wasn't. I, I it's um, it's been a really bad start to the season for me. I've only been able to make one game. Uh, my dad's made two. Uh, I don't know what the next game's going to be for me. There's a South Wales Reds trips to Boreham Wood, um, which I can't go on. Uh, yeah, but, but then again, Jason Mohammed's actually going, so you yeah, are actually, yeah, I am actually going to be there exactly. And I was actually there yesterday, really. Um, so that's good. Can I bring a little bit of back of uh, Billy Balance into the equation here? Yeah. Um, 
Reese the realist. Three points is only three points if you win six nil or if you scrape a crappy two one away. Chesterfield, they're um they they've got a very good knack at the moment, haven't they, of winning games by they don't play too well apparently. It's gonna be I can't help feeling it's gonna be tight all the way. Yeah. I agree, and I, I. But I think Tishmanga's still coming back into form. I think when he's fully fit, that, that that's added to their armory. I think the only thing I'm sort of thinking is: is our squad stronger in depth than Chesterfield's? I'd probably say yes, and I probably think that we've got the scope to bring another player in if we need to. So I think that's that's our trump card there, really. Yeah, we will, and. Uh, some news actually to bring you, which the club um, announced uh, this morning, which uh, I'll read out to you because this could be handy when it comes to the uh, January transfer window. It's talking about the impact of Welcome to Wrexham and it says that uh, the club's retail website has seen 185,000 new visitors uh, since the documentary with orders of a combined value of £290,000 uh, on top of sh- uh, sales from the club shop. That uh, takes it up to about £360,000. Uh, the uh, comparison with the equivalence period um, 12 months ago was less than £60,000. So three hundred grand there to find us, uh, find us whatever we need in January. I've only one thing to say to that. Here comes the money! Here we go, money Ah, oh, where's uh, where's Dan Jarvis and Tyler French when you need him? <laughs> well, yeah, th- those figures are stupid, aren't they? Ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I mean, t- you know, it- it's great that they've come out with the figures. They've kind of like they they've put a bit of buff around the fact that we're lacking in shirts. That was the upshot of it. It's like at the bottom, we're getting some shirts in, but you might get them by Christmas. Um, but for now, this is the reason why you're not going to get them by Christmas is because we sold shitloads and we can't keep up with demand. So that's the, the rough translation, but great numbers. I um, mean, it's like, if we're being slightly critical, why, why didn't we order more? Surely we knew this was going to happen. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm sure if Humphrey was here now, he would tell us there's a genuine reason, many problems that they've been having with, you know, there are issues with stock all over the world, aren't there, with, uh, mm. with supply. But... Um, yeah, just just it is a bit frustrating, isn't it? When you think that when you see comments all over Twitter with these Americans, God love them, who are want to buy Wrexham shirts and cards. <laughs> what do you make of the um, the the whole issue of of um, current kits and last season kits being sold on eBay and going for astronomical amounts? Because I've seen like that. I know somebody who's done it, and he's like, oh, "Well, you know, I kind of need the money because the bills are going up." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, fair point, fair point." And I saw something on Twitter today. It said, oh, it kind of goes against our sort of community values and the spirit and, and sort of the ethics behind it. Where do you where do you sit on it? Is it is it is it is it fair game or is it like yeah, you know, to pay is. that price for it? Then so yeah. be it. If, if someone wants to buy a shirt, let let them buy the shirt. If someone wants yeah. to sell a shirt and they can get money for it, I've got no problem with it all. I mean, if they're last season shirts, if people, you know, they're Wrexham fans, aren't they? They they haven't bought them on spec. You know, they haven't. They, they're not sort of. Alan Sugar sort of thinking 12 months ahead, let's get a load of Wrexham shirts so I can sell them for, for three times the price. No, it's, mm. I'm, I, you know, I personally wouldn't do it because I, I want to keep my Wrexham shirts. I've got a drawer in the, in upstairs and all of them are laid out there. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I, I want to do. But I, in where we are at the moment in cost of living, I've got no problem with people selling stuff on at a profit. I've got, Maybe a little bit more problem with selling this season shirts because I just think that yeah I agree 
yeah, I just think you know they're getting another stock order in. Just just wait a little bit. Don't don't sell this season's off off at a, at a profit. I've got more of a problem with that. No, that's uh, that's fair. I think on on to the documentary itself. We've talked about the impact of it. Uh, this week saw the release of episode nine, uh, which uh, involved. Uh, t- uh, Ryan and Rob, and he said Tim and Andy's long-awaited visit to Wrexham. Then, but no, uh, Ryan and Rob's uh, long-awaited visit to Wrexham. Andy, it was a strong episode. I thought. I thought it was the best one so far. I really liked it. I really liked the interaction between Ryan and Rob and the people of Wrexham. Um, I think I, I think the, it actually benefited from being an hour or being a bit longer because you can get into it a little bit more. Um, some good behind-the-scenes stuff. Even the budget meeting with with Parky and Harvey. You know, you, you don't get to see stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to Jordan Davis this week for the fanzine, and he said, "Look, I didn't know that was coming." And the first thing they mentioned was tying me down on a new deal and stuff like that. You know, it's a surprise to even the players. So yeah, I thought all the elements really came together um, in that episode. I thought I thought it was definitely the best one, and it's one I'm recommending everyone of my friends sees. Yeah, it was good. Really solid. So was it was 43 minutes. They crammed a lot in that 43 minutes. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had no idea. I mean, maybe it's a bit naive of me, but I had no idea that that um, Rob and I would have been sat down and said, right, help us pick the home and away kits. You know, I didn't even think that was a, what was a thing, but obviously they've, they've added in, input into that as well. I thought the comments about from Annette were very prominent. In the, in the entire She's my thing. new hero. Fair play. Yeah, Fair you know, play to her carries herself up very well and, and said it how it was and didn't hold back and really said, you know, look, I'm a bit concerned by the way some people are being treated. They've taken that on board. And I also like the fact there's a bit of a, they've, they've set up the foundations for whenever Ollie Palmer comes in because Parky quite rightly says, we need somebody big and strong, massive, who can hold the ball up and help Moles share the goals. And we all know who that person is. So yeah, really good. Interesting. You can sort of see where the narrative is going for the next episode in terms of sort of the last yeah. and struggles yeah, yeah. with Parky. Because I remember, you know, I think if we go back and listen to the podcast after the Torquay game last season, uh, uh, that was a poor performance. It was it was bad, uh, and it was just so disappointing. Uh, obviously, because it'd been such a great week um, for the club. Um, but still, uh, onwards, things are much better now. But let's move on anyway to this week's um, interview. As promised, it's part two of the discussion uh, that uh, we had with uh, Dean Keats. And this is a really, really uh, good hour. It is uh, mainly concentrating on his most recent uh, time as Wrexham manager. And he had a lot of great insights into uh, his time there. And, of course, um, the takeover. So you mentioned then about about the documentary. Um, when the cameras came to town, what was your your feelings on it? Because obviously, you know, before Parkinson's had his, his his say about it on record, I was just curious as to as to how what your what did he say? Because obviously he'd already had it at Sunderland, hadn't he? Yeah, exactly. So I think he went on. He, he, he documented the saying that he wasn't a fan of it at Sunderland, but he's kind of I think. I think lessons have been learned for that one. And I think it was a case of, I mean, we'll soon find out when it comes out, but I think it, there were certain ground rules that, that he wanted to put in, in place. You know, there'd be certain things, certain times you can come in, certain times you can't. 
apparently. So there was a there's some degree of of creative control, for want of a better word. Is, is yeah, that... I get that. I get that. I mean, look, for me, it was all strange. It's all very strange. And it, again, it was something something I knew about it coming up. So I sought advice off other managers, people who'd done little bits like that, and just to try and help myself and what I'm going into and what's expected of me. Um, again, I was on trial, just like the players players are to any manager that comes in. Like when I took that time and talking about when I go into when in at Warsaw, everybody's like, "What's he gonna do? Everybody's like, he's gonna, is he gonna cut it up, get rid of us all, etc." I'm on trial. I was on trial too, so I couldn't turn around and say I don't want the cameras. It'd have been my preference not to have the cameras, but I had. To, this was what the club was gonna be about going forward, and it's it's a massive um, financial thing for the football club, and I know that. So I had to give by it because if I turned and said no, I'd have been putting a tight in a noose around my neck there and then. So I had no choice, basically. So, um, yeah, look, um, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, the people had done it. They all seemed, there was all decent people that I dealt with on the day-to-day from the uh, on that side. Got on really well with them. Things got a little bit towards the end. Um, thingy, I thought formed friendships, kind of falling away a little bit. Um, but that's part and parcel of it. Um, I would never, would I have classed them as friends? Possibility. But it's kind of dwindled out now. So yeah. it was all a bit strange. It was all a bit strange. I mean, I struggled with it. I'm not going to lie because there's intimate moments that shouldn't be put out there uh, that you need to have with players. And they're like, oh, can we get a mic on you? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? And I don't like that kind of stuff. And the worst part for me was like <clears throat> team meetings, um, be discussing stuff, reflecting on the weekend or going into what's coming up, the game, the next game, doing like obviously the analysis and the opposition. And then you sit there talking to the players and then somebody moves to the camera and then you like, they draw your attention and you look over there and straight away you're like, you got that voice in your head fucking going to your fucking camera's moving again. <laughs> fucking stand still like, and then, then straight away I'm forgetting what I was talking about and I'm having to look <laughs> on, the, um, on the board again to see what was going through, the point of I'm relaying back to the players. So that bit, I, I struggled with, I did struggle with, but it, it is hard. I mean, Look, I'd imagine there there's different things in place. I mean, there's points that I spoke about not having a cameraman in there, just a little tiny camera, um, et cetera, which would have made life easier. A lot easier because you, then there's not an extra body in the room with walking around the camera to get some exact, another a player's facial expression or something like that. So bits like that it was odd. I refused to have a camera in there 24-7 to say. Um, they wanted a camera up on the in top corner. So if the cameraman wasn't in there, I was like, no. Not at all. I said, it's my players' changing room. That's their sanctuary. What goes on in there, they, they operate within themselves. They're a bit of band to what they're doing, etc. That's left to them. You're not having a camera in there all the time. No chance at all. I refuse that. That's one thing that I, I, I said to the Brotherhood team. Not happening. And also in my room, I said, the one thing that I will ask is, <clears throat> I understand that I have to be open to it. Um, so... I want you to respect my player's decision. I'll say to the player, I'll pull the player in first. He'll wait outside. I'll have a conversation with the player and say, look, we can have a conversation. You're obviously not, you've knocked on my door. I couldn't understand why I've left you out. Oh, you say, blah, blah, blah. You want to have a conversation about that? Do you want the camera in here? Because my, what I say is not going to change, what I reply to your questions or what I say to you is not going to change because the camera's in there. I said, so what, you, I'll let the player lead that. So if the player wanted the camera, the camera stayed. 
the player didn't want the camera in there. The camera didn't enter my office when I come one on ones. Yeah, Sean Harvey. Um, what was it's kind of it's a bizarre thing, um, Sean Harvey, because he's clearly, um, for, to all intents and purposes, running um, the club. Um, there's there's a lot of stories and and, and bad press in him previously. I'm just curious as to as to what your take on him was, what how you found him. Um, there's still a lot of unanswered questions from the fans in relation to him, but ultimately, there's a football uh, person with football experience at the helm, if you like. So, what what was your what was your dealing, your first interaction with him like? Yeah, it wasn't until um, Sean. I had no issues with Sean. Yeah. No, we are, the bits I had to deal with him, we got on okay. Um, fairly, fairly straight in the line. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, he didn't come in until after the announcement a fair bit. That's when he like he kind of found out who was a sport with Humphrey a lot at first, um, and then I kind of transitioned over to more to more towards John. Um, sorry, and then yeah, I mean. I think what shows you could show his what shows his power and what benefit he has for the football club with the announcement a few weeks ago regarding the FIFA change ruling about signing yeah. players. Some of that look kneecapped not just myself but many a manager before me and managers just after me. But now it's now it's gone. That look that's only happened because of Sean. That's only happened because of Sean. That FIFA ruling, I have no doubt of that. Right. Um, yeah, as I said, the dealings that I had with him. Found out, found out where where I stood with him. So yeah, there's, there's not much too much more to say on the back end of that. Talking about dealings with people, um, Adi Yusuf hashtag no goals. No, is it no goals, no sleep as it goes. Yeah. Um, so uh, he must be one tired man. <laughs> Very tired man. Very I'm tired. Man. I'm only joking. He's nice. He's nice so yeah, the coach incident. The well, the well documented coach <laughs> incident last day of the transfer window. Um, take us through that because it that's 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 a crazy situation for everybody, for you, for the rest of the squad, for for it to happen the way it happened. Um, just take us through that, and and then you know, in your head, did you did you kind of have anybody lined up to to replace him? We tried for a few loans that didn't happen. Um, to line up, I was looking for another forward, and we were trying to still do a bit of business, but for whatever reason, I wasn't in control of anything like that. That's one thing that got said to me um, when the takeover happened, etc. You just managed the football team. Now you don't have nothing to do with any of costings, um, budgets, uh, recruitment, as in what players get paid. You highlight the players. I had players put to me from. from from whoever the company was using in that analysis company. Um, I had conversations regarding them, them that. That's somewhere else you can talk about a bit, but obviously the coach incident. Yeah, look, as I said, I was looking at over options anyway. I wanted to add to the squad. Uh, you kind of, people's personalities and traits, and I'm not saying Addy's got a bad one at all. He's, he's, he's not a bad boy in anybody, if I'm honest. Uh, Addy, he's, he's actually quite a nice lad. He's funny in, he, in his own way. He can be hard work. Um, 
you just feel, I knew, I knew the feeling it wouldn't have much of an impact on the squad if it, if I let it happen. And it was an hard decision because it wasn't, I knew that in the back of my mind, but it was me <coughs> leaving a short, knowing that we couldn't get someone in. And I knew about three hours before the window closed, three or four hours before the window closed, that we weren't going to be able to get somebody else in. So I was, I was trying to add one on top of, had he still been there? So, um, yeah, so he came down the front of the bus, had the conversation. So we got off. I think it was Oxford Services. I think it was the services around there. We were on the way down to Eastleigh again. Well, Eastleigh, it seems to be Eastleigh all the time. And I had obviously the Royals one, it was Eastleigh. No, I had it Eastleigh. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, got off there. And I said to him, You do not leave the service station until I tell you what's happening. So you either get in a taxi and you drive down to Eastleigh or you get in a taxi and you go elsewhere, but you do not leave this, you do not leave. So they're trying to make it work. We ain't letting it work because we're trying to get somebody in and then we couldn't get no one in and I've got a decision to make. So then I find that he calls me and I'm already at the ground. I'm like, you're taking the piss. I told you not to leave Oxford Services. I said, you do, I said to you, you do not leave Oxford Services. I said, because you are not a Chesterfield player. Blackpool have granted it, said he can let it happen. I said, but you're on loan to us, and it's my decision. So I then had a conversation with him. I had a conversation with his agent. His agent was somebody I used to play with. Um, so I got on a right with him. Um, don't speak to him anymore on the back end of that, obviously, because I'm not in the game because he won't be trying to take players to me. But it's somebody I probably, I'm not sure if I'd had a these. I wouldn't have the conversations with him that I used to have with him because he's next teammate. He went about it the wrong way. I went about it the wrong way. Um, so I said to him, right, I want the truth. Spot to his agent, two year, two and a half year deal, guaranteed. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to screw anybody over. Okay. I said to Humphrey, right, end of the season, I'm still managing his football club. You're saying to me, who are we keeping? I'm saying no one had a use of Okay, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not keeping him, I'm not retaining him. I said, so now I'm thinking somebody, not as a player, as a human being. His contract's up at the end of the season with, with uh, Blackpool. He's telling me they're offering him two and a half year deal. He's got a kid, he's got a missus, he's got bills like everybody else. So I made a decision on a human being, not on a football player. And I just thought, you know what? COVID, um, jobs scarce, etc. in football, especially even more so at the end of the first season of COVID. They told me two and a half year deal. So I took Addy's word and his agent's word. More of the agent's word, as I say, because he was an ex-teammate, who I shared a changing room with for a few years. And it wasn't. Obviously, I found out it wasn't what they said to me, but I sanctioned it. As I said, I treated me human beings before he had two and a half years worth of guaranteed money coming in. Because he wouldn't have been a Wrexham player. Not that he was our player, but unless he'd gone banged in the next 20 goals from... Basically, till the end of the season, come the end of the season, if I was still the manager the following season, I wouldn't have retained him. Or looking to retain him or signing from Blackpool if they'd have released him. So that was my decision made on the back of that. And it didn't sit well with me, the fact that he got in a, in a taxi and I specifically said to him, you stay at the services. I just thought, you know what? I knew he wouldn't be missed massively in the changing room. Not that he's a bad lad at all. He's quite funny in his own way. Um... I've always gone well with him, spoke with him after since. 
But um, just these little bits, and I just thought, you know what? He's not a big, big enough character in the change room to think the lads is going to make a massive difference to, to our group. So I, I thought it may, may help one or two others, and it did. Kwame came on leaps and bounds from that, mm. and, and that's not me saying because of Addy, but I'm just saying gave somebody else the pressure. Like, I'm, I'm gonna get a chance out. I'll maybe the focal point. I'll be the main centre forward. So yeah, that was my decision made on the back end of that. As I said, I dealt with, I thought it is a, a, been a decision of making a better human being and thinking you can get two and a half years work when I wasn't given, going to give him any any if Blackpool had released him and I was still the manager. Okay. So, I mean, I'm going to bring uh, Andy back in a second just to sort of approach in the end of, 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 of our questions, really. But in terms of that, that January, did you have other targets ready to come in? Um did anything stop you from strengthening? And was there a mythical war chest that was or wasn't there? Because there was a mention of this war chest. I don't know what sort of chest. Was it that was. Don Bertram's war chest from Mozzers? That never turned up either, was it? <laughs> Still buried at the end of a rainbow. Somewhere. Yeah, I think mine was as well. <sighs> right. I'd sat there and had a conversation, put on a presentation, clips of players I want to sign. Um, I was asked where I wanted to strengthen. I gave. Two wingers, holding midfield player and a centre forward. Uh, done all my checks. I knew one really well anyway. And put on a presentation. These are the reasons why we should sign them. Gave absolutely everything. In depth. Married, kids, where they're from, background. Um, is there any future value asset-wise and as resale value? In two, I believe there was. One possibility, one no, but one would do the job to get us where we want to be. Um, sport wages, what they're on, gave gave absolutely everything. Uh, one was flagged up, maybe it was 30, maybe it's too old, we're going to turn off your contract out on them wages. Um, that This was probably the first time, looking back, obviously at the end of the season when I wasn't retained, looking back there, I knew the writing was on the wall. To turn around and say that at the time and know that I've signed a player who's older and paying a lot, lot more money than what I was prepared to this player. And this player would he's, he's guaranteed goals at this level. And so I've, we went, I put all this together, spent hours and hours and hours with analysis, pile, clips together, etc. etc. Done a big meeting, RDRDR, right, leave it with us. And I'm still waiting, still waiting. <laughs> um, no, look, and on that, that was the bit that I was, I was disappointed about a few things, and that was a big one because, yeah, okay, okay, well, go on to your side. So I went and spoke with players, these players, spoke with their agents. We're coming in with stuff, would you be interested? Yeah, all interested, cancelled it. I had agents calling me um, as a window went on and on and on. Where's the offer? Where's the offer? And it made me look bad almost to an extent of speaking to agents, them relaying something to a player and unsettling, not unsettling somebody, but somebody thinking, oh, oh, interesting, good project, a lot of uh, publicity regarding the club where it's going to go. And that didn't happen. And that was what I, dis- I was disappointed in that because I just thought, you know what, if it just been a case and they just come in and said, right, you're not going to get nothing, get on with what you got, you reduce on what you do and what you got at the end of the season. Because that's what I was ultimately. There was nothing. Even the statements at the end, I was backed. I wasn't backed because the players that we signed, 
their wages fell within what I had left anyway for that season, is in Frenchy and Dior. So them little bits, I just thought there's no need for them. Like being, look, I expected to leave. I knew I was leaving way before the end of the season. It had already been confirmed. So I just feel like bits like uh, he was back. There's just no need for it. No, well, I wouldn't. I didn't see the parting shot. I just didn't feel that he needed to be put out there to say. Um, yeah, so the bits that we did sign fell completely inside what we were paying anyway. And the bits that I'd saved throughout the course of the season, obviously when Addy had left um, a couple of weeks' wages, obviously AJ left, left um, saved there. And I also had a big... I think I had about 35 grand left in the pot from the beginning of the season. So that just accumulated little bits onto that. I knew if we'd been signing Frenchie in Dior, their wages were covered anyway out of the previous ownership budget model. Um, and I know that because obviously I've got all my... I had it all jotted, jotted down and from the beginning of the season on on the spreadsheets that, that was used. So that, I just thought, you know what? <laughs> it's the, it's the, what's the saying that they say? It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? <laughs> As you reckon some fans know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like to I'd rather have just been said like get on with it. Then then have that carrot to thinking, you know what, I might get a chance to be able to go and get some of the better players at this level or the level above, get them down here and turn around and say, you know what, now I'm fighting on a level playing field with the bigger teams in the division. Yeah, I'm bigger than you in name, establishment, history but I'm not paying what you're paying. So I'm always competing, fighting against you. And we, the underdog story was the trust, the support, trust ownership. It was an underdog story. And yeah, so that little bit's there. And and the other bit was about recruit, keeping players who contract I'd give out to. There was three players that I said deserve new contracts. And I spoke to them, told them that, and it's and then they're expecting offers, offers didn't come, and then they're, then they're reading the, um, in the leader that we're not doing any contracts. And I got informed the night before that there wasn't going to be putting any contracts on the table now because obviously what they've done with the bonus sheet, they put money into that. And I went, right, nothing gets said. It, it, these are my players. They have to they hear it from me. I'd had the conversation with them saying that the club are going to be any contracts, etc. I said, so now I need to have this one-on-one. These are, they're my players. And it was the next morning after this conversation I'd had with somebody who told me what, what was the decision was. I said, that's, look, that's, that's you've made a decision. I, I can't change it, change that. So I need to have a conversation with my players, explain it from my point of view, what's happened, mm. what I know. I said, but if they want more answers that I can't give them, they need to be able to come above me now to, to you. And they said, that's fine. So next morning, sat in the office, uh, I'd been in a couple of hours. It's, I think, about 8 o'clock. About half eight, about quarter to 8, 8 o'clock, Andy and Darlow walk in. And they like, have you seen? And I'm like, seen what? And then, it, obviously, there was an announcement made, wasn't there, uh, that we're not doing any contracts, we're not doing this and doing that. So I was, I was fucking raging. Not going to lie, I'm raging, because I've not had my chance to speak to my players. It's not, I'm not going to call them on a Wednesday night down the phone, they did, the men, they, they, I see it and deal with a man face to face. And um, so, yeah, so by the time we got down to Kevin Drewitt's training, they'd obviously all day the breakfast and ready all over social media, aren't they? 
So my first conversation in, in the warm-up is pulling three players, explaining everything. And rightly so, they're not happy about it because, again, don't do something if you're not going to follow it through or to an extent. And I was, look, what happened about the players that highlighted the truth? They're not my players. It was bad enough that a few agents were like, well, look, I had a conversation with a player and you've done this and done that. Yeah, that looked bad on me. But I was devastated for these three players. Uh, one got the contract at the end of the season and not deserved, and the other two didn't. Two had gone above and beyond for me for the football club, played with injuries. Uh, I mean, one, Kells, um, up at Artipool, <clears throat> where we beat him up there, 1 0 on the Tuesday night, on the Monday, training, gone in for a tackle. His second leg, his back stood, caught him on the inside of his shin, on his right leg, so he's left left back studs of his boots had gone into his shin he had eight stitches down the inside of his shin bone four internally four externally his shin was massive Giggsy comes into me uh, he's been down uh, down the hospital physio comes in and uh, he's like he's not playing tomorrow night Theo's got a sore hamstring so Theo would already, he'd already rolled Theo out um, he says his hamstring, hamstring's too tight so then I've had to talk Theo round it's just tightness, come on, feel you need it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I'm struggling. He's, he's been killing me at the weekend, etc." He played, got on with it. And then Kells, <laughs> Giggsy's walked out of the physio and Kells has walked in and gone, I've just heard him say, I'm not playing. I'm playing tomorrow. And I was like, well, you got eight stitches. And he went, Gaffer, I'm playing. And he went, he's not ruling me out. said, if I fail to come play and I'll let you down in the team, I wouldn't play. I'm playing tomorrow night. His shin, the bruising that come from his shin was massive. And he got on with it. And for when they're doing that for me and the football club, and then what happened? I was I was angry um, for them. For them. It, I was disappointed for them. And let's be honest, for me, Kells has been one of, one, of, one of my players of the season. He deserved it. So for whatever reason, what happened at the end of the season who made a decision on recruitment, who stays and who goes, did they watch the whole season? If they'd watched the whole season, the two players that didn't and the other one, there's no way that they're not. But look, at the end of the day, they both went on to League Two football, once playing week in, week out. Obviously, Kells is not really happened from with Bradford and he's just got another move down to Stock Hill. But as I said, it's people <clears throat> and... It was great, lads, and I was just gutted for them. I mean, it's obvious that you've shown a lot of loyalty to your players. I mean, that's come through from the interview. It came through from Rob Ryan Red as well. I mean, I don't want to be the guy who keeps bringing stuff up because I've already mentioned Martin Riley, but Elliot Durrell, or Durrell, I mean, this is a bit more. This is a bit more clear, clear cut because we've had him on the pod, and he admits straight away. I made a mistake there. I know you sort of, you sort of released him. Was that was that a one-off flare-up, or had that been sort of coming for a while? Look, I don't hold grudges. Um, he'd had a few niggles with people throughout the course of the season. That's Elliot's character. He's not a bad person. He's not. There's no malice in it. He could deal with things better, in my opinion. Um, so a few times. I'd had him in my office and he's gone on about one or two things. I'm like, it's no concern if you also like be speaking about that or anything like that. And yeah, it's again, it was another decision that I had to make. 
you know, I revert back to what I'd done at the beginning of the season when we brought this culture and the volume was and it was showing respect. I love it. I mean, showing the respect for the changing room and for the teammates and stuff like that. <clears throat> and so, yeah, it was just, I had a decision to make and I made a decision and I stick by decision. Again, Elliot, another one, not a bad lad. I brought him back because I thought, you know what? He's got something different. He can create something out of nothing. I knew it was going to be a hard season for us. Uh, he's got experience. He'd, he'd left the first time, gone to Chester, done really well, gone to Mac, won the league. So it was a big thing in his favour. Done well for him on the, the brief line he had there and helping them get promoted. So he, he, he knew the ways and means of how to get promoted. But the big thing for Elliot is he wants to play, which ain't a bad thing at all. I'd rather somebody not come in my room and be over the minute and not play. But it's controlling your emotions. So, and then, then there's points where expecting to play and not playing, you've got to be able to see the reasons why. And I always said to the players, even when I, when I sit players down and try to sign them, I will give you my reasons. Um, nine times out of ten, that'll be before I announce the team. So, if I'm going to leave you out, I will call you. My biggest yeah. right with players is, that's something <clears throat> that I learned from Jobby. And that's something I... I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, so I used to say to him, if I'm leaving you out, you make sure it's my decision. So if I come to you and I say, right, the decision, opposition are doing this, blah, 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 tactically, we're going to go about it this way. I believe, me going into formation or job logs, I'm going to put in the team, he's got better attributes, go up against his opposition. Um, I, will give my, I will give you my reasons. And then if we lose on a Monday morning, you can come and knock on my door and tell us, have got that fucking wrong, didn't you? <laughs> um, but I used to say to players if I pull you and tell you I'm leaving you out because you're not training hard enough and you've been shit I'm going to come back and say this has been coming for two three weeks you've trained poor you've trained poor I'll give you a chance in the game Saturday you were poor again now you've trained poor this week but that was my big thing as a player and even more so as a manager Monday to Friday to me was the biggest day Saturday was easy Tuesday night easy That's, you get paid to that enjoyment I mean who wouldn't want to play in a big stadium with fans supporting you, getting behind you, and that passion and that. I used to love that. So Monday to Friday, you have to stake your claim. So if you're all there at that level, absolutely bang at it, at it, where there were most days, then I never had that many conversations to him and say, look, I'm leaving you out because you haven't trained good enough, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. I hardly had any, any of that when I've been a manager at the football club because I made sure I've got the right players and changed the right attitudes who, who recruit. So recruitment was massive on attitude application. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, the big thing was I just thought there'd been one or two things, but I said it wasn't the backlog of things. It's just that moment I just thought, you know what, it's just wrong against the changing room. I had a decision to make and I made a decision. And I spoke to him on the Monday morning. I said to him, I have a few days off. I'm going to think it through. And then I just thought, you know what, I can't. I can't think it through because as I feel now, I am going to use you again at the end of the season. It's right for you to leave and it's right for me, for the, in the football club, for you to leave. So I called him on that night, on the Monday night, uh, from speaking on the afternoon and, and just said, look, I can't drag on a few days. It's not good for you, for your mental health. And like, what's it been happening? Like, you've got overthinking things. I said, as it's, as it stands now, my decision is still going to be the same. Come Thursday or Friday, when I'm going to call you, when I brought you into the stadium, it it be done. Be done. Thanks for your contribution. I wish you all the best. And he had contributed, 
Uh, yeah, I contribute. Um, not in the way I thought he would, because I thought he'd been an end up on the wing. I know <clears throat> things changed, and that was probably more to do with Sean um, being injured at the beginning of the season. <clears throat> and then coming back, and he wanted to get his personality and character into the team, changed three of the backs. And those have done well for me in the midfield three. Good, great goal down at Barnet. Even down at Sutton on down there. I mean, look, it was a fucking brutal game. Whenever we could still be playing now, it'd still be nil-nil. <laughs> but he, gave, he done the ugly side of the game down there. And that's, they got into you. They tested you. They, they intimidated you. Tried to bully you by putting a ball on top of you all the time. And we stood up to it. And he stood up to it. So it, I, that split second, I just thought, you know what? Again, it's time to... You have to mark a line in the sand just so everybody else takes note. Again, the thing with Addy, again, this was another one. I just thought, you know what, we're on the home straight. We're coming around the bend now. I can't have people just thinking they can step off track. So I had to make a decision, and that was, unfortunately for Elliot, he was him on the back end of what he done. I mean, fair enough. I mean, you've mentioned Sutton. Now, um, look, you've, all, you've, you've already sort of touched on it, sort of World War Chester didn't really happen and maybe players that you wanted to bring in that you couldn't I mean for me I got I got phoned by someone in, inside football and it was round about this time they said you know do, do you know that Keats is going at the end of the season I went what why because there's still all to play for did you know at that time because there was a very honest interview after the Sutton game I mean it was a nil-nil it was very hard for as you thought as you said you know we, we we'd still be trying to score now but it was the most passionate. I mean, I don't know what you really think about interviews because you're talking to us now and it's a very different character from what I see with a lot of sort of after match interviews where you seem to be a bit a bit more guarded. But, you know, now you're sort of opening up a little bit. It is. But look, it, 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 we're not guarded in, in that Sutton interview. Look, I could... You wouldn't be happy as a fan if I came out and got a big smile on my face. It's been a shit and lost, would you? So, look, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed. So you're best off just playing poker face. And if people take a gripe about that, it, then so be I can't please everybody. So I'm not going to come out. And look, I'm quite straight face, and I hold my cards quite close to my chest. So I'm not going to come out. I, and one thing, even when I played, my motto was, I'll not have my highs too high, and I'll have my lows too low. And look, when you go to the managerial side, it, you enjoy a win, but the losses hurt fucking way more than when you lost as a player. It's hard. It's brutal. So it was hard to be able to say, right, go and get a camera in your face. We're doing this, we're doing that. Everyone, so somebody's always after something. It's like Liam with his questions, isn't it? The journalist, he's always after something. He's like, it's open-ended. I'll ask you that way, but I won't. I'll come back the opposite way and ask you the same question with different terminology. So, <clears throat> so you, your guard's up straight away. And any manager's the same. Any manager's the same. You're seeing a lot different there different generation coming through of player they're a little bit more off the cuff but even yeah. when you played you have people you say to you gotta be on your guard because looking you're looking to be tripped up not now you might be in six weeks time because you might have a couple of bad games you know they'll, they'll use someone against you so yeah look i knew that and i as i said i'd have yeah. friends even when i was at warsaw and my mates would take the piss out of me about me interviews you know barrel of laughs you are and you're like just like boom and then, obviously, we made a couple of made some Wrexham fans, giving them abuse, but that was the way, the best way I saw of doing it, just thinking, you know what, I'll just, I'll straight face it. For whatever reason, for be for good or for bad, or whatever you like to see it, I just thought, you know what, I'll just 
I'll just do it that way and then I'll just remain consistent because then you won't turn around and say six weeks' time, oh, look at him. He was sat there like this. And then when we warned him, he sat there like that. I just thought, you know what? I'll face everything. It's it's my group. I'm not shy from anything at all, which I didn't. Any bad defeat, any bad performance. I mean, look, I've played for managers uh, and I've seen other managers. I could have quite easily, when we hit rock bottom, um, when I took over a squad to then they're not my players. Well, distance myself from them. Never done that. Never done that. Because if I know to a group of players, they become mine. So I'll, I'll, I'll fight. I'll give them everything. I'll give them as much as I can. Be football-wise, tactical, technical, all that side, take that side, I'll treat them as good as I can as long as I get the buy-in. And if I don't get the buy-in, then that becomes right. I ain't getting the buy-in, so now I know I've got to move you on. And for the benefit of what the players that want here, that's to, to develop and take take things forward. So no, that was that's that. But <clears throat> you can't always see somebody's character what they like. So whatever you thought you, who you knew and what you saw, it, it's not who I am. And that's probably something I need to learn. So if I do go back in, hopefully some point, it's probably something that I can reflect on because there's a lot of things about reflecting on things in life as well and you live and learn. Maybe it's something I can look at and think, you know what, do a bit different. And then after the Dagenham game, um, it was a another interesting interview. Um, look, I went back. You, you knew, you yeah, I knew. Look, I knew. I knew five weeks before the end of the season. Yeah, I knew five weeks before the end of the season. Not me personally. I've been pulled and told. I've been pulled and told. Um. Somebody said to one of my agent's colleagues at the company that if we get promoted, the club might feel obliged then to give me a contract. Right. So I knew. I knew. So I knew that. Somebody else said that. And then the day before we travelled down to Dagenham, I went and asked somebody else a question and just said, what's happening? We've A, not just me and all my players. Yeah. I got someone come back. I got sent back to my face. So I said, well, we're not made our mind up yet. And then I, ju- I realised I'm just I am being bullshitted. There's no honesty, and I'm dealing with somebody who's an actor. So it's just like so. Right. When then somebody else had said five weeks no, earlier, not actor, is he? It's, so it's five weeks earlier, someone else had said they might feel obliged to be thinking. So look, I was not being judged on what I could do with a small budget or what I've done with a, with a thing like that. So look. There's no hard feelings at all. I sincerely wish the club the best and under their ownership and stewardship. I just, look, it was all new. The people who come in and done it, take Sean at the equation, it's all new. So maybe yeah. I was a learning curve because as they, after they put the bonus sheet out since, not have they? That's yeah. just shit I had to deal with. And like, I've got the players kicking off about it. We should win a game. Oh, you don't want to win a game because of this and that. But the bonus sheet was not any different to what the sports club bonus sheet was. All they'd done was access a little bit out of it and if the players won, they got it. So if we'd got promoted at the end of the season, it was the same amount of money that the sports trust would have paid. And that was the mm-hmm. kickoff from the players that I was getting. So then I'm like, shit, I'm putting out fires here and everywhere. I just want my players to concentrate on performing and winning football matches and just bit, bits and pieces. As I said, I was just like probably the test. Test test drive dummy cut to say when I was just like in that car, that chap would just wax against a wall like that because learning. So, but no, it's as I said, it, it is what it is. I knew 
But in that five-week period, I got offered, not offered, I went, I got asked for an interview because my agent knew what had happened. He called me, he said, there's a job available. I've thrown your name in. You're down to the final two. Don't want to, want to speak to you. So I spoke with someone and then I got asked a question. You get offered a job now, would you walk out? I was out of contract. My contract finished in the end of April. Um, players' contracts get extended through playoffs, etc. Yeah. If, if anything continues, the players get thinking. But my contract was still as of COVID hadn't happened. I finished at the end of April. So I could walk in May, not done nothing, anything about it. And um, the season obviously got extended. So I, was, I still got paid. So there's none, none of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I got asked a question. Um, if we offer you the job now, will you, will you walk? And I said, no. And my agent went, fucking apeshit. And I went, no, not, not on the, it's my, I went, they're my group, I'll see it through. And he went, you know what's happening. And I went, no, I said, I'll see it through. I said, I'll see it through. I said, I'll put them together. <clears throat> it's not like last time. I said, I'll put it together. It's been a shit storm for the season. I said, it's, we've got the curve. I expected the upward curve. I said, I'll see it through no matter what. And he went, you might not have anything. I said, well, that's the case. And then, and then I deal with that myself. So, yeah, that was something that got put to me. There wasn't any guarantee, it was just a question. So there's no guarantee it was going to be my job. I got asked a question, I saw, and I said, no. I said, oh, it won't be till the, I don't make the playoffs with Wrexham, we get through the playoffs with Wrexham, or we get to the playoff final with Wrexham, or whatever. I said, I'm, I'm seeing it through more players. Yeah. I mean, was there any bitterness when it didn't come? Well, at the end of the season? Yeah. No, because I knew it wasn't coming. Yeah. I knew, I knew it was a state of execution. So if I, I knew if I got, we'd, uh, got three points out of Dagenham, it had been another week. It had been another week. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember asking about like, what's happening because I had staff coming in asking me. Um, the players asking me. I had a player almost in tears in the office. Being scared about paying his bills and stuff like that. Had a good season. Had a good season, deserved a contract. Had been there, would have got a contract. I said to him, "Look, you got me charge. You stay." Um, so just bits like that, and it become hard. And you know what? To get down to Dagenham and to draw one each, right? We didn't play the game. We played the occasion. A few got yeah. caught in the headlights, but again, at Dagenham, we were still point, punching way above our our weight because I know their budget was double what we had but it was seen to massively be underachieved. When a point away at Dagenham was, isn't a bad thing. Because if you look at the previous, all the other games that we were in, the form we were in was outstanding. The games that cost us, there was two games that season that I look back on and say, they're the two games where we dropped points that was we shouldn't have. Dagenham at all, 2-0 up, five minutes left. <clears throat> Absolutely criminal. The goals came from us. The, I can, <clears throat> the two players... Obviously, you spoke about it, you know about it. Both four backs either side, both at foot for both goals. It's criminal. Can't happen. So that was one game in down at Eastleigh. One nil up, the penalty was absolute embarrassment. So I massive kicked off, went to the referees, agency, uh, PGMLO, um, gone, kicked off about it massively, massive, massively. Eventually, come back and said it wasn't a penalty. Because there was no contact, the kid screamed. There's no air um, horse didn't kick him in the head. There's no yeah. contact, so that for me was massive. And there was also one more amazing result of the game that we lost one nil. 
we should have had a penalty. And obviously you see it from a different angle because all the cameras on the other side, aren't they? I've got the clip on the phone and it's the most embarrassing handball you'll ever see because obviously I have the analysis lad was right behind us at the top of the dugouts in the exec box. Their player pulls all that on and they've got the fourth official going to the referee. White hand ball, white hand ball, white hand ball. So I'm thinking we've got a penalty. This is really it's 0 0. And uh, he doesn't give it. So it was uh, obviously then Claridgeman, Cler- Cler- is it? Um, Clary, I come in defence lad for maybe they've done it. And he's, he's tussled with Jordan Davies. So he's going white hand ball. So it's white hand ball, white top, isn't it? So mm. coming at half time, walking in, so I've gone to referee. Penalty, what are you on about? I don't know what you're on about. I said, well, why is he saying white amble, white amble, white amble? I said, he's telling you. I said, so is it helping you from the side? It's that obvious. I said, so go and have a chat about it. So they've gone in, come back out. Everyone's gone out. I've gone, go on. You talk to me. How have you not given amble? The fourth official steps up, and this is typifies National League. Fourth official steps in and went, Dean, that's my fault. I've gone, what? He went, when I meant white amble, I went, you're a player. And I went, are you taking the piss? I went, so you're going to you're going to that much detail now that we're talking skin tone. So because Jordan Davis is white. Made it players mixed raced. No way. Oh my god. And he went and he went like that. I went, so you're going to detail. I said, so it's white and ball. You're not going white top maiden egg, red top reps. We're going skin tones. I went like I went, you know what, I can't even be asked to talk to you anymore and just walked out. And that it just typifies what what you're getting. No doubt you still get it. Look, that's just my sob story. And to every National League manager will have, will have an arm for them. But that was that's just... But I'll send you the clip of it. I think I've still got it somewhere on my phone. I mean, this thing, this sounds a bit of a silly question, to be honest, because um, it's sort of what could you achieve with the, with the budget that's available now? But really and truly, would you spend as much... That has been uh, is being spent at the moment. Would you need to spend that much to get promoted, to get Wrexham promoted? It'd be nice to be able to spend it. Um, <laughs> look, I'm not. What I'm saying now, there is. I'm not knocking the football club or anything against Phil Parkinson. Um, I played against Phil, crossed past him once when I was manager at Warsaw um, in the FA Cup when he was at Bolton. Really nice guy, spoke to me after. He said, look, obviously, I was in your shoes once. You're obviously, any advice can help you along the way. Give us a shout kind of thing. So I can't speak hard enough from how he was towards me. So take all that out of the equation. You need to answer your question is if not, I'm not shot, taking shots at anybody else. No, I, I honestly do not believe I would need anywhere near as much that's been spent. I, if, if I'd been given the... F- the four players that are highlighted in the January window, I, re- I, I believe now we'd have probably chased top spot down because we wasn't a million miles from it. I mean, I know Tim's got some, some last questions for you, but we always do sort of five sort of quick fire questions. They're, they're just about people that you've dealt with Um during your time at Wrexham, um, quite similar to what Rob Ryan and Redwood did last week, but humorous with who is the most skillful? Have we players out of that? 
players you've had, players you've played with, anything that you've dealt with during your time at Wrexham, a player you just looked at a training gone, wow. I'd say Jarvis and Keller Dunn. Yeah, Keller Dunn is absolutely tearing it up at the moment, isn't he? That was, a, again, that was that was a blow because obviously COVID killed us. He wanted to stay. Um, I actually talked Spencer into being able to get something together to put to him because he was like, I want to stay. He called me, Davis did, what's happening? He's been to him all the time. Um, um, I actually got to a point where I was like, Spencer, you need to put something on the table to this kid or going to lose him. I said yeah. he's shown enough. He's shown more than enough last season to say, you know what, he'd be an unbelievable asset for us. And he called me, he said, I've got something off Oldham, but I want to try and stay. And he was a little bit too late by the time we got some on the table. And again, another lad, lovely, lovely kid. Um, I'd have loved to have been able to keep him that season. But yeah. it just wasn't meant to be. And it is what it is, what's happened. But am I surprised by what Elwood has done? Not one bit. Not one bit. Again, he was... When I, what I inherited, when I came back, there was a scouting network in place. Um, I think Sam had put bits into place and stuff like that. And there was a scout there. And he was one of the best scouts that I've worked with. And he'd done the recruitment. And he'd done the opposition analysis. And he was absolutely spot on. And I didn't know him. I hadn't heard of him. Got to know him. Met him in a few games. Tried my best to work him, to probe him, as you do. Uh, but... He was decent, and he highlighted Keller Dunn before he even got there and tried to get to Keller Dunn in. And I only ended up with Keller Dunn through Kevin Gull called me, Gawley, was part of the agency. And yeah, yeah, well, you have him in. He's been down at MK Dons, and that was an easy one for me straight away. Russ Martin, MK Dons, good friends with Russ, um, teammates at Peterborough for years. I had him up at Walsall as my player coach. Even though I knew Gawley, obviously, if I learn from the Addy thing, no, sorry, um, you look at that, you think teammates tell you stuff like that, but again, it's an agent. Yeah. So he might just be saying something. So strand the phone to Russ, and Russ was like, I'd have kept him, but I've got too many midfield players. He said he's so fit. He said he was the fittest that I had in there. He's been with us for a couple of weeks, and he said the summer days I'd keep him. He said he's a decent little player. I said, but I can't, because like, I've got eight midfield players. He said, get him in. He said, you'll take him straight away. And he came in. I think we only had him a few days. I put him on the table straight away. I just thought, you know what? There's some up there. Yeah. yeah Great yeah. lad. He's thick as pig shit, but what a good little football player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to be stereotypical and say he's the Irish, isn't he? But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say No, that. no, he's not. He's a Geordie, isn't he? Well, he's a Mac of All right. Fair enough. Um, right, who is the worst dressed? Sean Pearson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, a, yeah. People I've played with uh, years ago, I used to play with uh, <clears throat> at Warsaw, I was only a kid, a player called John Keister. Uh, centre out, wasn't he? No, no, centre mid, centre mid. He's actually a manager now, Sierra Leone, his national team. And we used to call him Eddie because he could, Eddie Murphy. Coming to America, and then when he used to come in with all the African clothes like that, he used to turn up to training dress like that. So we call him Eddie, as in Eddie Murphy, and he used to come in like with African clothes. And he was, he was he's doing it for banter as well, but it's quite quality. So him or Sean? Who is or was the biggest moaner? Ashley, never Wrexham Ashley. 
<laughs> Fair enough. I mean, this is we should call this who is the Darren Ferguson or Neil Ashton biggest moaner? Because yeah. the answer is always those. You know, Daz. Yeah. I never played. Oh, I was only he was the gaffer. Yeah. I was only not in the gaffer, but oh my god, he. He went about me saying straight faced. Fuck me. He was like. <laughs> but top man does. Right. Who was the most underrated player? I'll question this one because I, I would have said Ashley, but he got the rewards he deserved. But I think he got the rewards in a poor season, didn't he? So that's why he mm. stood out. Because when if if the team's flying, you don't normally see a fullback get that many get that many rewards. It's normally your star players like your wingers or your goal scorers, etc. So I would have said Ashley, but obviously that one season he did get his rewards. Um, hard for me to hard question that one. I can't. Mm, lots of yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Obviously, obviously that weren't that underrated, was it? Because I, I didn't value him that much. Like, I couldn't remember him. Um, <laughs> I mean, Joe Clark said Joe Clark, so you know there was. Yeah, I would say you know, but you know what, Joe Clark, my roommate, great lad. But you know what, somebody comes in and plays for absolutely nothing at first. And then establish yourself in a team. Yeah, crazy Joel. Great lad. And lastly, in this quick fire round, which is the player you would least like to fight? So it's a hard question, this, because if, if I start going with the big lads, they're just going to maul me, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know. If I'd have been playing, mm. I, don't know, I used to end up in some right. Shit, because my, my mouth. Uh, so common common uh, replies to this are Joey, um, just because he's Joey. Uh, Jay Harris, because he's like Scrappy Doo. Um, and, you know, it's never normally the big lads. I would never fight, he wouldn't fight Joey, because I'd be too scared. He's just too much respect. Joey could punch me in the face about 50 times. I'm still saying there and say, thank you, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> If you walked in and said, I'm going to get him, baby, you miss it today. It's you, Joey, you can. It's just that level of respect I had for the man. He was just, he was, you know what? Uh, you probably heard this a million times off people. The most humble guy ever. And you know what? What an absolute legend. And the word legend's thrown about way too easy. And But that guy is an absolute legend. I can't speak hard enough of him. And the one on ones I've had with him and the stories he used to tell. And you know what? He, he was brilliant. And he, He's everything about what people from Wrexham were because he's been there that long and about what football club is. You know what? I can't speak highly enough of a person because he's, he is a legend. He's just brilliant. The stories. And I mean, I think I've said it under Bob and Ryan. I crossed paths with Joey when I was 16. I remember debut for um, Warsaw's Reserves up at the race course. And um, so my dad's come up. Um, my family, like Warsaw, Man United fans. So obviously my dad's seen Joey for Liverpool over the years and stuff like that. And Joey was playing centre half. And uh so on the way back, my dad's like to me, Do you know who that was? Like the old fella playing for them. And it, it was a couple of years too early for me. But obviously I was mm. like mate, I was a Warsaw fan and a Man United fan, my favourite Man United player, Brian Robson and Jess Brolson and that. And uh my dad was like Joey Jones, absolute legend. And his comment was they finished with 
horrible bastard. So that's why he used to call that's that's why he used to call Joey horrible bastard racism because we used to sit and watch some of his videos on YouTube and some of the tackles I was just like, wow. And I love yeah. the tackles. But he showed us one against Yugoslavia one time. Oh, we've seen that one. Yeah, and he just gets up, didn't he? And he goes like that with a mud in about the first 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, Andy were like, the fellas must be thinking, what the fuck has just happened to me? <laughs> and I'm just like covered in mud and I've been upended. But yeah, Joey, absolute legend. No, we'll play Joey. Oh, the art of tackling has died with JJ. Because he's just like, you can't tackle these days, can you? Not like he did. Christ. Absolute beast of a man. So, yeah, just just to wrap, wrap really, Dean. Uh, I mean, what have you been up to since since the sort of management thing has fizzled out? And I imagine, you know, that the itch is still there and, and, you know, something that you want to scratch is, is... is a return on the cards? Have there been any other um, developments or you know, close calls? I've had phone calls. Um, one or two things put to me along the lines of, you put your name in, there's a very, very good chance you will get the job. Um, and no disrespect to the clubs. The reason I didn't put my name in is because I didn't want to get the job. And uh, so, yeah, it look, what it's given me is an opportunity to see what life's like away from football. I mean, it's not easy. Um, I've retrained him something. Uh, so I've gone away, accepted for what it is at the moment. I have to retrain. I'll go out as much as I can. I've done bits of scouting for people. Uh, go and see friends, stroke acquaintances that I've met throughout the game and like gone and shadowed and see how other people operate within the game and stuff. So, yeah, look, the each is there massively. And don't want to get back in, of course. But um, I'm also enjoying a bit of way from life, better quality time with my kids, less stress, I must say. Um, but you know what? I miss that competitiveness, that challenge, that what getting ready for the weekend and that challenge from three o'clock till five o'clock or quarter to eight till half past nine to say. Has that been like a massive um, culture change in one respect? Because all your life, all you've known is football. Whether yeah, it's, look. Whether it's playing it or being a manager, and then to go from that to an inverted college, just being your everyday Joe, normal civilian, is, is that a weird thing to initially get your head around? Yeah, look, massively. Look, I'm not going to lie. I struggled massively before I got the Wrexham job the first time. Um, I was in a good place when I got it the first time, but six months, seven, eight months before, from losing my identity, because... I was Dean Keith's football player, yeah. and then a dad, and then I was still with my my kid's mom then. So all you ever do, you've got so much structure. This is some of football. I know there's a lot said about mental health in football. It, there's more needs to be done with it for me because you're given all this structure, and um, all of a sudden, come the end of the season, it can be gone, and it's ripped up, and you're not told to be here anymore. You're not training anymore. You're not doing this anymore, and you're just left on your own. Just left, you know, and it's still very much um, on the managerial side. And I was speaking about this a couple of weeks ago. I've got a mate who was in the army for a long time, and he suffered uh, PTSD. And it's very similar in football because you're given so much structure. Look, I'm not putting football players anywhere near the army people because you know what, they're heroes. We're not. We're we're just fortunate to be able to do the job that everybody dreams of. And 
we but we're given so much structure so much structure and then every day and then you come to normal life and you're in it you are like but well, what do i do what's my identity who am i you almost lose yourself to point because you, you are this person who's kept in a bubble and i didn't think i was coming towards the end of my career i didn't see it coming i didn't ever think i'd be like, be like that but you know what i struggled big time and i'll put myself through therapy just to, for that so obviously by the time i got the the direction job i was like I've been all the way through that journey and learned so much about myself. And it's all it's all about something I do now. I still touch base, I still ground myself as much as I can. And it's always it's like the person who helped me put the strategy together with uh, Spencer Collins. I used to have weekly up, uh, catch ups with him, and it was almost just that personal one on one counselling session me because it was just me just get not that I, could, I didn't share everything with my staff, but there's also bits that you can't that you think you know what you don't. Want to sh- you know, if, if the weight's going a lot on you and if you're not shifting it, you don't shift onto the staff because you keep it in the change room, keep it in the, in the club, within the building with yourselves. So, you, you know what? And still bits like that. So I've learned so much more about myself being not in football in the times I've not. So, so yeah, so that's why a lot needs still looking at being football. They go on about a lot in mental health. And there it is massive because you can go from being adored by hundreds and thousands of people to cast aside, not not seeing good enough. Then you, you go out on trial, you think you're going to get somebody in again, before you know the season starts, nobody wants you, and you're just like, <laughs> and it's almost like a manager. It's like, I got into it, I'd been on a self-reflection journey before, when I, after I finished playing, my managerial career was all rosy, wasn't it? Then I got the Warsaw job, and then I got the Warsaw job, and I got sacked from that. He was bump again, like reality check kicked in. The, the so much I felt a failure and what I'd done and thinking, you know, what even some even Wrexham fans like were still messaging at the time, oh you shit, you this and that, you get sacked. Then you got Warsaw fans like, oh, we thought it was all gonna work, you are not a legend up your and you're like, you know, you're judging me something else. And that's you still carry that load. So like after that, I yeah, struggled for a few days and I just thought to myself, I'm not gonna go down there that route again. You got myself um in in a bit of therapy, just you reach out. The help's there, but that's the thing with the PFA and even the LMA now, because I'll get into that because of um, being a manager. Football players need guidance so much because that's what they're used for, used for. But the help is out there, but I don't think a lot of players will know how to go and source it, how to get it, how to get to it. But there's people there prepared to help. And I think that's something that still needs to be done massively in football. And what I did... Um, I was big into that, the mental health side, because it could wide happen myself. Um, I got a sports psych- psychologist in Warsaw and then in Wrexham, in Wrexham my second time, because it's players, <clears throat> as much as you want to help a player, and I've had it with players, um, and knowing that something's not right off the pitch, and you're like, come and have a chat, have a chat. I'm not going to tell you, because you know what, they're going to think straight away, you're not going to play me. If I break down or you do something, you're not going to play me. So that's why I got a sports psychologist in to the club and he worked for the club, but he didn't work for me. We had an agreement and he spoke about this with the players that if it's that bad, he feels I need to know, he's going to recommend that the player comes and sees me and he'll sit on it. He said, but there's that, we had a confidentiality thing. I didn't want to know what the players were talking to him about because if they're in there and they're opening things up to him, it's helping them. He can't never be feeling like the players thinking he's come. He's he's a one-way hotline straight back to the gaffer to say. So I didn't have any of that. I said like he works in the football club. 
I know him. Um, I brought him in, but he works with a football club. There's confidentiality in place. He does not report back to me. So, so yeah, I'm massive on that. So that was something I added. And if I do go back in, it was something I'd do then because, you know what, if you can get the players in the right frame and in the right place, and that's you deal with a human being first and then you deal with a football player after. The human being's in a good place mentally and physically. You're gonna get what you can. You can be able to get what if you want them on the football pitch. That's been the recurring theme, I think. That for me throughout this is that it's very much about dealing with the person. Sometimes above the player, you know. Yes, they are because you know why. When I started, it was you're a football player and get on with it. Get on with it. Just as it's daft as it sounds, you had a cold. Come in and run it off. That's what it was. You got to come in and get a sweater and run it off. Um, mental health, it was not, you've not seen of, you're struggling. Oh, you'd be all right, just get on with it. You've got to get on with it, you've got to get on with it. Um, you can't in this day and age. You, it's, there's a person for, there's a person first and foremost, not a football player. You've got to deal with a person. You can get the person and you've got the right relationship with the person. The football player part becomes easy. Yeah, there'll be bits and pieces, loss of form. Um, well, I'm leaving you out because tactically, I need, I may need, need to make a decision. Then that, that, then obviously they're, they're the decision that the manager makes. But I said, deal with the person first and foremost. Dean, it's been a fascinating chat. It's been really, really good. I think we, you know, safe to say, all of us have enjoyed it, and we can't thank you enough for for giving up your time. Um, it'll be great to see you back in the game. I think that goes for for every reason, every fan yeah. of the clubs you played for. Um, just tell us that that job you turned down was Chester, was it? <laughs> Come on. No, no, when that came up, I had a phone, not, nothing to do with Chester. And uh, <laughs> my agent was like, do you want me to put your name in? I went, you're taking the piss. He <laughs> went like that. I went, are you taking the piss? And he went, well, it's a job. And he went, it's not far at all. It's on your doorstep. I went, no. I went, no. I went, not at all, mate. I said, because what sport has left the Wrexham who actually like, still like me? They're going to go. I said, the Chester fans are going to hate me from day dot. I said, so no. I said, no. I said, I had one, not, one job I would honestly not take. And I said, and the salary could be a good salary. I said, I still would not take it. <laughs> Just wouldn't. There you go. Dean Keats, never to be a Chester manager. You've heard it here. There's things that you do and there's things that you can't do and that's one thing I couldn't do. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, Dean, for that. Very honest, uh, quite a a very eye-opening chat. Now, one thing that was never levelled against Dean Keats was that he was a funny footballer, but... Um, <laughs> with uh, with the high profile uh, Phil Parkinson comment in the, Welcome to Wrexham, we've decided to do a little segment which we started last week with goalkeepers. Today we're going to do right backs. Reese, you're you're, you're going to moderate this one, aren't you? I am indeed. I'm I'm just uncomfortable with this whole concept, so I'm going to keep keep it at arm's length. Okay, fair enough. I'm sure <laughs> sure your uh, evil overlord bosses aren't aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, t- uh, Tim, you go first. Uh, who's your uh, nomination for right back, mate. I haven't got a clue. I completely forgot about this segment until you told me about five minutes ago. So <laughs> I, 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 I've been caught on the hop in my own in my own net, which I've, I've weaved last week. I said, "Well, this is going to be a great idea," and I've completely forgot about it because you know I've been to Belgium and my head's puddled. 
So I, um, it's, it's got to be Sylvia Span, surely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can I can run with Sylvia Span. The uh, he wasn't even a right back. Yeah, actually, that's a terrible shout because he was. After he got moved to right back, he was better. Trinidadian is a right back. (laughs) Also, after he got moved to right back, he was better, wasn't he? Than when he was in midfield. So yeah, Um, I'm going to go Willie Miller. Remember him? Willie Miller isn't that a cartoon? Yeah, he was like a wee. uh, It's like some sort of Beano character, Willie Miller, wasn't he? But um, he's Scottish. Yeah, he came in on loan uh, in the Smith period. We were playing badly. He did not help. Um, looked a bit of a weed. Uh, I, I reckon I could take him, even though he's Scottish. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going for Willie Miller. Jesus. I mean, I'm struggling. Oh, I, do, I can't even... I always, I always struggle with defenders, like crap defenders. Mind you, I've just Googled Rex, um, Rex and right back, and Sylvia Spann's face has appeared. Um, Edwards, it didn't. But it do, it does say vote for Rex FC's best National League right back, so that can't be right. <laughs> mm. Can't be right. Oh man, I don't know. You've caught me big time here. Um, I mean, we could have Christian Guyan as well. But... Christian Guyan, yeah. yeah, the yeah, late it's... Christian Guyan. So we can't be too mean on him. Oh, no, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, we can't. We can't put him in, can we? Well, he won't complain. We can't complain, but you know, some of his relatives or staunch Christian Guyan Wrexham fans might. So you have to, yeah, okay. All right. It's easy to, yeah. All right. Let's go with Willie Miller for the time being. But if anybody else can think of really, really, really fannyish Rex and right backs to Trump and these nomination, please tweet us or drop us an email, fidzine, or in the words of Reese, fidzine at gmail.com. Correct. No, couple of lines and why you think he's a massive fanny. Um, in terms of you know displaying levels of cowardice beyond their uh, beyond their years. Oh God, this this feature is going <laughs> to be the of our lives, isn't it? Uh, it's going to last this week, and that'll be it. Game over. Oh, let's just get let's just knock out a back four and pretend it never happened. Yeah. There we go. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Tim has just uh, given you the email. If you've got any new American listeners from across the pond, do email in and tell us how you're finding uh, following Wrexham AFC. Um, any other ideas, comments, please feel free to contact us, but we'll speak with you soon. Because- Cheers. See you.